0: Hey, Dr. Bill here. I just wanted to take a moment and thank you for listening to my podcast. We are in the top in seven countries worldwide. That's crazy. Anyhow, this is the time to give thanks. I'm thanking you. Have a great Thanksgiving with you and your family and everybody that you love. From Dr. Bill and the whole LEAP team, we're wishing you the best. The LEAP Foundation proudly presents the Meet the Matter podcast with New York Times best-selling author, motivational speaker, and celebrity dentist, Dr. Bill Dorfman. Hey, Dr. Bill here. We're live <laughs> with another Soon to be exciting, meet the mentor with one of my good friends, Dr. Carla Amrato, who works right upstairs in this building above us. Uh, But before we get to that, some of you say, why are you doing this? And I'll tell you why. Every year, we put on a world-class award-winning program called Leap Week. Leap Week 2020 will be July 22nd to the 30th on the beautiful UCLA campus, and we will have approximately 400 students at the program. We're already lining up such a great array of speakers. I spoke to my good friend Katie Segal yesterday, uh, Sons of Anarchy. For those of you who are my age will remember her as Peg Bundy on, um, what was this show? Married with children children. Uh, and her son. Oh, my gosh. Her son is starring in a new series. I think it's coming out on Netflix um, earlier this month, uh, which will be exciting, too. But but anyhow, so Katie's coming um, and I've spoken to Christian Slater and he's going to come. And um, there was one other celebrity that I spoke to. Anyhow, it's going to be awesome. And we'll have great business leaders, as always, and we'll have 80-plus Australians and the mayor of Perth, Australia, well, past mayor of Perth, Australia, um, Lord Mayor Lisa Scafidi, and a lot of other great speakers. So if you haven't signed up for LEAP yet, go to www.leapfoundation.com for students 15 to 25 plus, and we promise to give you... A world class award winning program. Um, and we're super duper excited. And there's so many cool things. Also, we are having our second annual gala this year that looks like my camera's falling over as I'm talking. And that will be on April 29th at the Jim Henson. Muppet Studio, which will be really phenomenal and really fun. So you and your folks can all come and we'll have tons of great surprises and prizes. And my good friend, Kirsty from Pentatonix will be hosting it with me and she will be performing. So there's no reason not to come. Without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to my good friend, Dr. Carlo Amrato. He is an experienced plastic surgeon and artist focusing exclusively on face, head, and neck. His practice is a combination of cosmetic and reconstructive surgery specializing in eyes, ears, nose, as well as cosmetic facial injections, laser procedures, and non-surgical treatments to enhance and maintain beautiful-looking results. I'm actually 95, and he works on me. Um, He's a double board certified and recertified um, facial plastic surgeon. Um, He graduated from John Hopkins University and graduated graduated magnum cum laude, which is awesome, from the, the State University of New York Health Science Center, and he is a dedicated husband and father of two young sons, resides in Beverly Hills at Maui. Carlo, thank you for coming.
1: Thank you very much for having me. Why did you become a doctor? Uh, great question. So uh, I'll basically give you the, 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 the short answer. Um, I went to Hopkins, as you mentioned, and I was deciding. I wasn't sure whether I should whether I should do business or um, medicine or dentistry um, or dentistry. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, I was interested in both, um, but when I started taking my classes, I really loved the sciences. I really love the sciences, and then truly, I took an econo- economics class, and I couldn't understand it. I was like, okay, that's it. Medicine, it is. And then then it just continued from there. Did my biology, chemistry, all those, all those um, core uh, um, classes, and that's what, that's what took me um, to medicine. And actually, in addition, too, uh, I did play sports back in high school, so I was actually also interested in, in sports, and one of the things that I did at Hopkins was uh, I worked as a sports medicine trainer oh, wow. for several, several years, and so that got me into kind of combining one of my two passions, uh, sports as well as medicine. And so for those of you who don't know,
0: we're going to give you a kind of a brief overview as to you know, what happens once you go to medical school. So basically, you'll go to four years undergrad. So if you're a student and you're planning to become a physician or a dentist, um, what you're going to do is you're going to try and find a major that will pretty much encompass most of the prerequisites that you're going to need for medical school or dental school. Typically, it will be a bio major. I was a psychobio major. Um, What was your major? Yeah, I was bio. Bio. So, you know, and you want to try and have as much overlap so you can actually get out in four years. So you do four years, then you go to medical school or dental school. In medical school, you do your first four years at at which time you start th- being exposed to and thinking about different specialties, right? Exactly. And you can kind of take over from there with the internship and the residency and sure. all that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in uh, the four years of medical school, really the first couple of years, mostly basic science um, classes, but then again, that's when you get exposed to like, what's out there. You know, I had no, actually, I, knew, I had no idea ear, nose and throat um, surgery existed until I actually got into med school. But what, what kind of drew me there, actually, was just kind of was were my classes. Like, anatomy was, was fantastic. It was phenomenal, really interesting. Uh, I loved everything about the body. But for me, it was actually the intricacies and the complexity of the head and neck area um, that actually really intrigued me. Because actually, going into med school, I was thinking, I'm doing orthopedics. Again, I, I talked about being a sports medicine trainer. I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon, but again, I got exposed, and I was like, wait, the head and neck is really awesome, let me look into it, and um, within ear, nose, and throat, there are actually, like, several different subspecialties that uh, are also intriguing, so one of the reasons why I first got into ENT was actually the ear, the otology, you know, at that point, cochlear implants were somewhat in its infancy, but to me at that point, like, putting an implant in someone's Ear basically allowing allowing them to hear was phenomenal, um, so that's that's what got my interest in you.
0: But when you're in your first four years of medical school, at what point do you have to start saying, okay, I'm going to be a GP or
1: I'm going to be a? With some of the subspecialties like orthopedics, dermatology, like ENT is one of them. You kind of actually have to decide early, earlier on, because it is actually competitive. Um, there's only about 210, 220 spots in the country. Um, so you really kind of have to do things to show, to to kind of improve your resume and your curriculum.
0: So after your first four years of medical school, then what happens?
1: So uh, usually around the beginning of the fourth year, that's when you apply for your residency uh, or internship. And it's it's a match process. So you, you go in your interview, you do your applications, you go in your interviews, and... And at that point, um, once everything is squared away, you decide like you, you basically choose choose where to go. So, what if you say, you know what? I did my four
0: years of medical school. I'm done. Like I just want to be a doctor now. Can you do that? You or,
1: can technically but, have your MD degree. I, and this you is a learning thing yeah. for these guys. Technically, so. you have your MD degree and you can you can actually practice. But the question is like, you know, you, you do have to kind of at least subspecialize in something, whether it's general medicine psychiatry you know there may be so
0: even if you're just like a like a an internist a regular internist you don't just go four years and then open up as an internist you still have to do a residency program exactly. right
1: you know i'm sure it's like this for dentistry like you know medicine is a lifelong learning process you're never so never right to learn. so
0: typically you, you do your four years then you do your residency
1: program, which is another correct. So for me, actually, it was I did two years of um, general surgery uh, as, a, as a sort of the precursor to ENT. I did four years of ENT, and then I did a year of fellowship training after that. Um,
0: so two, four, six, seven more years. Seven years. So four years of medical school plus
1: seven more years. So that's eleven years. Correct. Exactly. Depending on the field that you choose, there's some that that you can actually you know. Get into practice earlier, but you know you still have to learn again. Once you medical schooling kind of takes you so far, so no matter what field you go into, you really have to do further training. And and, and so you
0: actually did two years of general surgery, and then went into just straight ENT. Straight ENT correct. Okay, and in ENT,
1: you kind of subspecialized uh, in plastics. You still learn. You still you learn everything. You know, so um, we do head and neck. At that point, I was doing head and neck cancers, sinus surgeries, treating kids. Um, uh, you can do allergy as well. You, you know, you, you get the core process of ENT, And then kind of like with medical school, around the third year, I decided, hmm, I kind of want to subspecialize. I want to do something a little bit more, get more training in that. And that's when I decided to... To go into facial plastic, sec- facial plastic and reconstructive surgery.
0: So, as a facial plastic surgeon today,
1: what are like the top
0: three procedures that you're doing on a day-to-day basis?
1: Uh, I think well, number one is definitely noses. You know, the for my whole training since since I since I started in '99, like again, the, the, the head and neck is, is my my focus, but the nose is the main focus. And so rhinoplasty, either cosmetic, functional, uh, meaning like you can actually help someone breathe or you fix someone's, you know, broken nose. That's probably the number one procedure that I do. Um, Now, let's back. I know, I mean, there are some
0: plastic surgeons who really focus on noses, but they actually even, like we'll say, I really specialize or focus on doing Reconstructive work for bad nose jobs, or I, you know, or, or I actually know a guy who only does Asian noses, like that's his whole practice. You know, I know that's another right. doctor who only does African American noses,
1: like that's his whole practice. So, are you that specialized, or uh, I'm not that specialized. Well, I'd say I actually do a lot of reconstructive work where people have have had prior surgery and I fix it. Um, and, then, and then there's other w- that won't even touch a nose if it's been done before. That's correct.
0: Like one of my friends who's a very well-known nose, you know, right. nose surgeon says, if it's been touched, I don't want to do it. Right. Like, I don't want to put my name on it.
1: I know who you're talking about. And yes, I, you absolutely. know who he is. I, I totally understand that. So, you know, when, with any sort of repeat surgery, actually, there's always a challenge. That's right. harder. And I'm sure it's like that with the teeth as well, you know, when someone has worked on it before.
0: Right. It's,
1: there's always been, there's a, there's a trauma. To that, to to what's been worked on, and it's just a little bit more difficult. So having sort of you know experience in it is actually really helpful for the patient.
0: So surgically, your number one procedure are noses
1: correct, uh, and then the, the next two would be like a combination. Actually, three would be like eyes, ears, and um, face. Okay. So eyes meaning like you know taking care of the excess skin whether whether it's on the upper uh, upper eye, lower eye. Uh, for the face, like tightening up the face, you know, a lot of people like do this in the mirror, like they look better that way. Those are things that I can address, whether it's surgical or, or even non-surgical. And then ear pinning. I actually do a lot of ear pinning um, uh, in the office, people who are have prominent ears. So, you know, a lot of times people do it as a kid, but people even do it as an, as an adult.
0: Okay. And in the non-surgical Arena, what are you doing mainly?
1: Uh, I have a lot of heating devices that um, help kind of tighten the tissue and skin, um, both in underneath as well as on top. So you know, it's it's a less aggressive way to kind of treat facial um, facial aging. Um, and some people, you know, in this day and age, it's nice that we have modalities that are there. Um, do you really think those work? Like to a degree, yeah. to a degree, and I do think uh, some of the machines out there are very operator dependent, you really have to know the machine and know how to use it. You know, it's not just a cookie cutter process. Uh, you have to understand, you have to understand the anatomy. And that's why I tell people when I'm doing things, whether it's surgical or non-surgical, in my mind, I'm like, oh, thinking, what is going on underneath? What's the tissue that looks like underneath? So do they work? Yes. Do they work as well as surgery? Really, surgery is gold standard. You know, it's right. been like that for, for many years. But the technology has slowly started to improve, improve, improve where we do have these non-invasive routes. All
0: right, let's switch gears. So you're a doctor, you're a plastic surgeon. Being well-qualified, well-trained and all that is only a small part of how successful you're going to be as a doctor. That's correct. Like, how do you actually grow your practice? You know, for you know, and it's funny. I mean, I know the answer, but I want to hear it from you. But it, you know, it's funny because I know some dentists that are amazing operators, like great. Like we call them golden hands, right? right? They're empty, like they have no patients. I know other guys that are really schlocky, like right. bad right. dentists. Like I look at their work, I'm like, oh, dude. Right. Think- and <laughs> and they're and they're like they're booked up for like months. So, you know, ideally, you, you know, you want to have the steak and the sizzle, Correct. right? Very true. So, but that doesn't always happen. But how do you balance that with your practice?
1: I mean, That's a great question. You know, I think uh, the bottom line is really having a core group of staff members that are, who just work well and work well together. And that's one aspect of things because, A, I can't do everything myself. I can't. You know, greet the patient in the door, check him in, bring him to the back. You know, I can't. You need to have a good staff, good process, you know, from, from the from the get go, from the pa- from the time the patient calls till the time the patient leaves. You know, so that is to me one of the one of the key things, having a good base in the office, getting good quality.
0: But what about like I mean that's all great, like when you have a patient sitting there, but you know, we talk about internal marketing versus external marketing. Internal marketing is where my patients come in my office, patients come in your office, and you want to provide a gold-plated customer service kind of, you know, treatment for them so that hopefully they walk out and they tell their friends and they, they write great Yelp reviews and they write great Google reviews. and all that stuff is all great. But there is a whole group of people who don't know you that you wanna get into the office. And so how do you try to attract those kinds of patients?
1: Uh, good question. So um, you know, in that respect, uh, I do think like word of mouth is sort of the best way to kind of slow, it, it, it's a slow, slower process, but it's, it's a more stable process in terms of growing word of mouth and you know, having doctors, patients, colleagues like refer pay, uh, people to me, that's, that's key. Uh, But, you know, nowadays, like social media is really helpful. Social media as well as, you know, having um, quality, uh, a quality like website. So people can go on to the website and say, you know, look and see what I do. Look at my credentials and such.
0: So uh, I actually believe that. And and I spent $8,000 and had my whole website redone. And I hated it. Like hated it. And then expensive. I had it redone, and I paid the guy $10,000. So I literally spent $18,000. Now I love it. Mm-hmm. But, oh, my gosh, was it expensive. It's and expensive. it took, uh, what, how many months, Nicole? Like six months? Mm-hmm. Like months and months to do it. Um, I also, and I don't know if you do. Um, we've never really talked about this. I also have, like, a whole social media team. Um, do you, you have know, people I, that help you
1: do that? I, I or do you have th- one person, actually, who's, who's really awesome at doing it but i think yeah you can either have one person or a team and sometimes you know one person's good and sometimes a team is really good but again all those all those things added up to, totally help sort of progression
0: where would you say you get the lion's share of new patients that aren't patients referring patients
1: um like uh, yeah, online like people like going online like looking up whether it's uh, you know noses or scar revision or ears, people look online and then they they kind of I guess Yelp is like a big actually help in that respect because they usually even though my website's up there if you if you look at me, Yelp is also like one of the top um, uh, um, you know things that come on the, online.
0: Uh, and you've been practicing how many years now?
1: Uh, I've been so total. I've been in practice for fifteen years. Wow! Uh, but actually, here in LA for about eleven. And you're also practicing in Maui. I go to Maui, Maui periodically. Uh, that's something that just happened about five years ago. Uh, I I I love the water. I love the beach and such. And it just it, it was something that that happened um, that I took that I took advantage of. You know, in terms of like being able to go there. See patients, take care of patients, operate, and and just, again, smelling the air of Maui is awesome. That's awesome. So if you
0: could, like, wave a magic wand and say, this is what I want my practice to look like five years from now, what's that vision?
1: great uh that's a great question yes.
0: by the way he has a beautiful office and he's <laughs> on you. the 17th floor of this building um which is the 2080 building and if people want to find you what's the best way website uh, or my
1: website is probably the best thing It's drhonrado.com d-r-h-o-n-r-a-d-o.com um but yes in terms of five years from now I got honestly like right now I'm, I'm really happy with what i'm doing could i be busier yeah absolutely i'd love i'd love for that but you know, what I try to do um, as best as possible is to take care of my patients as much as possible. So I like to spend the time with them. I don't want to spend, like, two minutes with them, three minutes um I like to spend my time with them. Um, so it's just kind of continuing the process. You know, yes, getting busier would be great, and, but then I know what I do, so it's, you know.
0: And he does a great job. Uh, a few years ago, he did my office manager, Sinette's upper eyelids, and that inspired my assistant, Nicole, so much that she did her. She doesn't mind my telling me anybody, <laughs> um, but he agreed. does a great job. Um, anyhow, thank you so much. Um, you and much. you are such a sweet man. He is taking care of my kids, my ex-wife, myself. Um, he's a really, really great guy. And my, oh, my mom, of course. Oh, my gosh, you've helped mom so much. And um, if you need to get a hold of Dr. Amrado, You can go to his website, again, is Uh,
1: drhonrado.com. Spell it. D-R-H-O-N-R-A-D-O.com.
0: Yep. Dr. Bill, over and out.